to talk to you about being simply saved. In our series through the, uh, called Realignment, through the book of Acts, as we get realigned to what the Bible really says about being the last day's church, in the book of Acts, simply saved. And my question is, do you have a right view of yourself in relationship to God? Do you have a right view of salvation? And do we have a right view of the Holy Spirit? Because in Mark chapter 16... Jesus said before he ascended, he said, Go into the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. And anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name. They'll speak with new languages. They'll be able to handle deadly snakes with safety. If they drink anything deadly, poison, it won't hurt them. They'll be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. You know, growing up, uh, I grew up in church. My mom and dad had their uh, radical conversion and young people. And so they uh, went to church growing up very steadfastly when I was very little. They made that commitment to change their life, to raise a family in church. And I grew up in church and I learned how to work to be a better person. Uh, but I realized I was going nowhere. I believe Jesus was God's son. I was baptized in water in a lake out near Lake uh, Providence, Louisiana. I was baptized in a lake. I did my best to serve him. I read my Bible. I prayed. I even invited friends to church now and then. But I lacked power. I lacked power over secret sin in my life. I lacked the ability to talk to other people about Jesus. I lacked the, the desire or the humility to raise my hands in public all through my growing up years in church. Uh, I, I didn't have a desire for missions or growing the church in that degree. I, and when I read verses like what I just read, I had no even concept of spiritual gifts. I thought that was for pastors and evangelists. I, much less uh, casting out demons was so far from my mindset that that's not even on my radar. That's not even something I thought normal church people could do or did. I had no knowledge of these spiritual gifts or the faith for miracles. I was simply saved. And that was enough for me. Simply saved. Or so I thought. I believed. I was baptized. But I was still in bondage to self. And that's what I want to hit on today. I believed. I was baptized. But I was still in bondage I think we can believe God exists, we can believe that Jesus is His Son, we can be baptized in water, we can join a church, but if we have a wrong view of self, if we have a wrong view or incorrect view of salvation, if we don't understand the purpose of the person of the Holy Spirit, we're going to go nowhere in this life with God. In fact, we may even find ourselves in hell one day. And that's sobering to think, and why is that? Because self can never please God, number one. We can try our best to be a good moral person, but this will never be enough to save us or even keep us saved. Number two, you cannot assume the Holy Spirit's role in your life. You can't say, thank you, Jesus, I'm saved, I've got it from here. That's not the saved life, that's not the sanctified life. And number three, you can't neglect the command of Christ to go in the world and make disciples and to be a witness. We can't stop at just saved. We don't stop at I'm simply saved. Salvation is not uh, about getting out of hell free cards. 
Salvation, that price that was paid was not just meant for us to sign a membership and join a church and do good moral works. When I think about these, some of these lyrics of these old great hymns, think about these, uh, uh, Stuart Hines said, when I think that God, his son not sparing, sent him to die, I scarce can take it in, that on the cross my burden gladly bearing, he bled and died to take away my sin. How great thou art, right? There's a, an overwhelming awe uh, of the majesty of God when you think what he did for for you in salvation, or maybe my, maybe one of my favorite hymns is Isaac Watts. He said, when I survey the wondrous cross on which the King of glory died, my riches gain, I count it but as lost, and I even pour contempt on all my pride. Oh, the wonderful cross. Man, with salvation is not some easy, simple thing. It's simple on our half, but it wasn't simple on God's half. That he laid his son down to die for you and for me. And so do you think that he just wanted you to go to church more and be a better person. But perhaps that salvation was meant to give you this spirit-filled life where it wasn't about just not going to hell. It was about being with him always. Every day you get up in the morning to be with him. When you go down at night to be with him. When you wake up the next day to be with him again. And when eternity comes to keep on being with him. That's what he paid the price for. Not just to get you out of hell, but to get you to himself. He wanted all of you, and he paid the price for all of you. And we should give him all of us. Somebody say amen. God's view of salvation was not limited about getting you just out of hell. He wanted to give you a new nature, Ezekiel said, to give you a holy calling, Exodus says, not to just simply be saved, but empowered every day by his very spirit. So here's my question. Where is the spirit taking you in your salvation? From the moment you gave your life up to Jesus that first time, where has the spirit brought you to and where is he taking you to? Where has he brought you from and where is he taking you to? How have you been growing in your salvation walk? Where is, what's the point? This is a journey of being closer to Jesus each and every day. Have you received all that he has for you? And I can say right now, Heath Harris has not received all that Jesus has paid the price for me to have. It's a journey every day for me to get up and just say, how can I get closer to God today? That's not just being simply saved. That's walking in this spirit-filled life. God wants you to have so much more of the Holy Spirit he wants you to have more of the Spirit than your flesh is comfortable with. God wants to give you more of the Spirit than your flesh is comfortable with. Look with me in Acts chapter 8, verse 4. I want to talk to you about the progression of the saved life, the Spirit-filled life. We look back in Acts, and Stephen is one of the seven deacons or servants. He's one of the first servants called to be the council of the church after the apostles. There was the twelve, uh, and then there was the seven and these seven were called to serve and minister to the church. But many of these guys were so full of the Holy Spirit, they didn't just serve and wait on tables and handle the finances. They began to do mighty things. They were anointed just like the apostles were, had the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and began to see signs and wonders in their own life. They weren't, they weren't apostles. They were normal guys who got baptized in the Spirit and continued the Spirit-filled life. And so Stephen did that, and he ends up getting martyred in, in the previous chapter. Now, one of these other guys, his name is Philip. Just like Stephen baptized in the Holy Spirit. And after Stephen was killed, the gospel began to spread. Persecution happened, and the church began to expand across the country. So the next place over to the north is Samaria. 
And the Samaritans and the Jews were very much at odds. They hated each other. Remember, these are the people that Peter and uh, James and John want to call fire down on. These are the people they hated because they mixed Jewish and pagan worship together. They're from the ten lost tribes, and they integrated with pagan ideals. And so they had their own uh, way of worship. They had their own temple, their own priesthood. They thought they were the real deal, and uh, the Jews hated them. And so, but Jesus, the first time he revealed himself to be the Christ, anybody remember who he revealed himself to? It was a Samaritan woman at the well in John chapter 4. The first person he told he was the Christ to was a Samaritan woman. And so he says in Acts chapter 1, after he's ascended, he's, or he's going to ascend, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you or anoints you and baptizes you in the Spirit. He's going to clothe you with power. And you're going to go be witnesses just not only in Jerusalem and Judea, but to Samaria. And that's where we find ourselves at. Acts chapter 8, verse 4. Therefore, those who had been scattered went through the places preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and began proclaiming Christ to them. The crowds were paying attention with one mind to what was being said by Philip. And as they heard and saw the signs which he was performing, for in the case of many who had unclean spirits, they were coming out of them, shouting with a loud voice, and many who had been paralyzed or limped on crutches were healed. So there was much rejoicing in the city. Now a man named Simon had previously been practicing magic in the city and astonishing people of Samaria, claiming to be someone great. And all the people from small to great were paying attention to him. This is the man, this man is the power of God that is called great, they said. And they were paying attention for a long time. He had astounded them with his magic arts. But when they believed Philip as he was preaching the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were being baptized. They believed and they were baptized. Now, even Simon himself believed. Somebody say believed. He believed. And after being baptized, he continued on with Philip as he observed the signs and great miracles taking place. And he was repeatedly amazed. Now, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they would receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen upon any of them. They had simply simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They began laying their hands on them, and they were receiving the Holy Spirit. Now, when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, Give this authority to me as well, so that when whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you, because you thought you could acquire the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Therefore, repent of this wickedness of yours and pray to the Lord that, if possible, the intention of your heart will be forgiven you. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bondage of unrighteousness. But Simon answered and said, Pray to the Lord for me yourself, so that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. In this moment, we see the Holy Spirit has been given to non-Jews. This is a universal history-making event, that they say, wow, God is even willing to pour out His Spirit on people like that? My gosh, this must be universal. This is for everyone, man and woman, boy and girl. This thing is for Jew and Gentile alike. This Holy Spirit is a free gift. Christ has paid that price. And they begin to wonder at this. But there's three things I want to pull out here about salvation, the Holy Spirit baptism, and this life we were going to call sanctification and the first part is salvation. This text is very debated, and it's, there's actually a lot of questions in here, so I just kind of wanted to frame it up that way. Were the Samaritans saved under Philip? Because it says they had not yet received, they had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They were not filled with the Holy Spirit yet. 
are baptized in the Holy Spirit yet. Well, if you look at the text, and let's just kind of look at it a little bit this morning. It says there was healings and exorcisms and all kinds of signs are being happening. And they saw something more powerful in Philip's ministry than they'd ever seen in Simon's ministry. Simon was like the local magician and arts guy. He was a, a demonic man. He had all these incantations and he was an astrologer, an astronomer maybe. Perhaps he was uh, using the dark arts and magic. And some of it may have been trickery and some parts may have been demonic. And they saw something supernatural when God showed up. Don't you know God's ministry is more powerful than the devil's? When God began to show up in this town, they're like, oh my gosh, look at this. There must be some power in this. It says, Luke writes, they believed. And what did Philip preach? It says he preached the good news. In the name of Jesus Christ, he began to baptize them. He preached the kingdom of God, which means that God's rule and reign has come, that Jesus is the Messiah, and he can save you from your sins. And he preached the same thing the apostles preached, the fullness of the, the Spirit of God, the fullness of Jesus Christ. It says they believed it, and they repented of their sin, and they were baptized into the name of Jesus. Now, are they saved? Are they saved? You know, some people think they weren't saved until Peter and John came later. But you know, Jesus even said in Mark 16, 16, we read, he who has believed and is baptized shall be saved. And even Paul would say in Romans 10 that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's the heart of a person who believes that results in righteousness. And it's with the mouth he confesses resulting in salvation. I believe that that day they were saved. We believe that when you uh, confess your sin, you repent of it, and you believe on faith with Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes inside of you to dwell at salvation. If you believe that, somebody say amen. You just confess and you believe and you put your whole faith in your life on Jesus Christ. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's for you. It comes with salvation. You can't be saved without the Holy Spirit. So how do you know if you're saved? Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, he says, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things pass away. Behold, new things have come. What does that mean? That when you truly confess and you truly repent and you truly admit and believe on Jesus Christ, his work, that the Holy Spirit comes in you. John 3 says you're born again. Paul says you're alive in Christ. In Ephesians, he says that you get a new self. The old man passes away, like he says in Corinthians. The old man passes away. There's this new self created in the righteousness and truth of God that comes in. So when you have that born again moment, you'll know. You'll know because you'll sense there's new desires, there's new wants. I want to read my Bible. I want to pray. I don't want to do the things I didn't want to, you know, I used to do anymore. I sense something new that's warring against this old self. And if you believe in Jesus and that happens to you, you can be assured you're saved. You don't have to speak in tongues to go to heaven. You don't have to do mighty, mighty works. You don't have to go across the oceans and become a missionary to know that you're saved. You just simply repent, believe, be baptized, and something new begins on the inside of you. Somebody say amen. amen. That's what we believe. Salvation is something that comes from belief and the obedience of baptism is that I sense a newness in my life. And so why then hasn't the Holy Spirit fallen on them? Why didn't the Holy Spirit come uh, why did it wait uh, till Peter and John came? Well, let's talk about the spirit baptism. So that's salvation. But what about the spirit baptism? Peter and John come. They want to support Philip's ministry. There's nothing about Philip's ministry that was lacking or, or lesser than them. He had the same anointing, the same baptism, preached the same message. He could have prayed and all of them received the Holy Spirit that day. I believe it if, he, if God willed it. But what happened? 
We have a divided church. We don't want to create a new church. There's a Samaritan church and a Jewish church. There's already this rivalry here. And so what do they do? They allowed Peter and John. John, uh, God allowed that Peter and John would come and bring this apostolic anointing, this apostolic affirmation that the gospel was opening up to the Samaritans. Jesus said, Peter, you're going to have the keys of the kingdom. And you're going to open things and shut things. And what is he saying? He's like, I'm going to allow you that you're going to, to the Jews, you're going to offer my spirit. To the Samaritans, you're going to offer my spirit. Even to the Gentiles, Peter, you're going to see the door open. And, and they're going to know this is the same thing. This isn't a new thing in Samaria or with the Gentiles. This is the same thing that happened on Acts 2. It's going to happen on every people group. And so God allowed Peter and John to come after Philip. And they supported his ministry and opened the door of faith uh, to these Gentiles. Now, I'm going to show you something. Was this Holy Spirit baptism separate from salvation? Well, here's the reason why I think so. Look, in, he says that uh, Peter and John, did they come and preach revival and say, well, here's something Philip didn't tell you? No. Philip told them the whole counsel of God's word, but it says they came. They didn't preach. They began to pray. They begin not to preach to them, but to pray for them. And as, as they begin to pray, and they prayed for the Spirit, it says the Spirit had not yet fallen. Somebody say fallen. Not fallen upon them, but with the laying on of hands, they begin laying hands upon them. And when you do that, that is always symbolic of the transfer or the symbol of anointing. Luke will use the word upon you differently than within you. We believe the Holy Spirit comes in you at salvation, but he comes upon you at the baptism. That's like Elijah gave his mantle to rest upon Elisha. Moses transferred his anointing upon the 70 elders. Jesus, he was born by the Holy Spirit through Mary, and the Holy Spirit was within him as he became a child and grew up. But when he went to the Jordan River, he was baptized in water. And then what happened? The Holy Spirit rested upon him. You see that? That you can be born by the Spirit, which is salvation. Then you get baptized in water like Jesus. And before you enter into doing ministry for the Lord, the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Jesus typified that when he was in through his life in ministry. Even the disciples typify that. The disciples, they were all saved. They saw the nails on his hands and his side and his feet. And they believed they believed, and they had already been baptized following Jesus, but he says in John 20, he says, receive the Holy Spirit. He breathed within them. They believed, they received the Holy Spirit, but then Luke 24, he says, but wait, wait for the promise of my Father until you be clothed, what do you put clothes on, inside you? Upon you, clothed, the mantle. You put something on you, he says, until you are clothed with power from on high, and you'll be my witnesses, he says in Acts 1 8, to the ends of the earth. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, there's something different here going on. They were saved, they believed, they were baptized, but they had not yet been baptized or clothed or endued with power, or the Holy Spirit had not yet fallen upon them. And there, then what happens? Then it says that something happened demonstrative. Simon looks and says, what in the world is going on over there? Peter and John start laying their hands on people and anointing them for the Holy Spirit to fall upon them. And something began happening so much more miraculous than the healings, than the exorcisms. He said, I want what that is. Now think about that. More miraculous, more spectacular than healings and exorcisms. I'm going to tell you something. Even Calvinist commentaries, people who do not believe the Holy Spirit baptism is for today. They believe it ended with the apostles. I even read commentaries this week. 
Every single one of them believes this was the same thing that happened in Acts chapter 2 with 120. That on that moment, as they began laying hands on them, what happened? They began speaking in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. In fact, that's going to occur five more times in Acts. They're going to see it with the Samaritans. They're going to see it with the Jews, I mean the Gentiles in Cornelius' house. Then they're going to see it with some of John the Baptist's followers who missed out on the memo. You're going to see it in Paul's life when he gets saved and he says, I speak in tongues more than you all. You're going to see it even in the Corinthian church later on after the book of Acts. They're going to begin to receive the Holy Spirit just like they did uh, in, the, in the upper room. And even, let me give you this little history, even Tertullian, he was one of the early church fathers that lived a generation after Timothy. He died in 220 A.D. and he wrote in some of his letters, that there was many signs still occurring in the early church, including tongues, interpretation of tongues, and many gifts of healings and miracles, even 220 years when he died, 220 years after Jesus was born. Uh, two generations later after the early church, we have proof that people were still speaking in tongues. So let me tell you something. This did not end with the early church. This thing that God had designed was not simply for you just to get saved. And it wasn't about a, even a separate experience. It was about entering into a dimension of spirit-filled living that you could walk in the spirit, feel the Holy Spirit moving you to do what, the God, what God said, to obey him, to hear his voice, and to sense his leading. And they said, we believe that this Samaritan church needs power to witness. They believe, they've been saved, that God has cast out demons of them, they've been healed, they've confessed their life. Even one of the main magicians has canceled his, his appointments. He's shut down his doors. He's even fallen Philip from revival to revival. He's given up his whole life. And we see God is moving. What do you need left? There's something you still need. You need the power to continue to do this even after we've left. You need a daily walk in the Holy Spirit. Stopping at salvation is not what God is intent for you. It's to continue this walk to be a spirit-filled person. And so there's a pattern of the promise. You have spiritual birth, you have water baptism, and then you have a spirit baptism. Because God has designed us to be a supernatural church. And Luke, if you read the book of Acts, this is a normal experience. It's not so much normal in our very educational, intellectual, uh, scientific society today. It's because it's not meant for man to understand or control. It's not meant for you to figure it out or to be comfortable with it because God wants to give you more of His Spirit than your flesh is comfortable with. That's His goal, to give you more of Himself than you can contain or control. He wants to be in charge of your life. The next thing is, what happened here? What happened here? I believe the Holy Spirit is normal for the supernatural church. You see, there was the salvation, then there was the Spirit baptism in Acts 8 with these Samaritans, but then there was the sanctification that we see. So what about Simon? Was Simon saved? And how come Simon didn't receive the spirit baptism? Simon didn't end so well. He's this crafty sorcerer. So let's look at just Simon's case. So when Philip comes down, Simon's so amazed at the power. So amazed. Oh my gosh, this is more powerful. I'm, I'm using demons for this stuff. But man, when I see God, man, this, I believe. He believed. It, he believed there was a Jesus. There was a God more powerful than even what he was using. It was true. You know, demons know Jesus is more powerful than them. The devil knows God's going to win. He hates him anyway, and he still tries to wreak havoc on the world. So Simon's recognized, this is truly the power of God. I see, I know, I know, I know a fake when I see one, I'm a fake. That's real. So he believed. He stopped his practice. He was baptized by Philip, and Philip had no discernment either other way. 
I believe Philip would have known if he was a faker. I believe Philip would have known. This, this is Philip. He's anointed by God. He's one of the first seven. He baptizes him, and he lets Simon follow him, I think, probably in the altar calls. I think Simon was right there with him, going and helping set up the sound system. Right? Not really. But from place to place, he says he followed him, gave up his practice to follow him. But what happened? He didn't receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit yet. Luke makes no difference between how Simon was saved and initial faith, but the Samaritans. You know, some people will read this, especially Calvinists, uh, and I don't disagree with them, that Simon never had saving faith. They would say, well, there's, there's saving faith that if you truly, truly got saved, you would continue in this life with God forever. And I believe that 100%. I believe that if you really get Jesus, there's nothing that ever could take you out of his hand because his hand is there with you every step of the way. As far as God is concerned, man, you will be with him forever, and he wants that. But I know that there's a choice that you and I have to make every day to pick up our cross and follow him. There's a choice that is relying on me to keep putting that faith in God every single day. It's my, my, my part. So Philip doesn't have discernment. He makes no difference of the initial faith. But when he saw, get this, the baptism of the Holy Spirit falling on these people, his old self was revealed. He looks, he, he desires the influence and the authority that he once had. He sees them and it's like, man, what are they doing? Oh, I remember when I used to do that and people used to come to me and I was real popular and important. And the self began to rise up. He had a wrong view of self that he thought self could please God. I want to buy that. I want that for me. And I'm going to be able to sell it and buy it and increase my popularity and authority. I don't know if he didn't think he wanted to be saved still, but he wanted to be popular. He wanted to be important. He wanted to be the center of attention still. That part of him hadn't been crucified yet. It hadn't died with him at salvation and baptism, but it stuck with him through his moment of belief and through his moment of baptism. And it come back. It come back. And he sees this influence they have and he desires it. He desires that influence. He wants to see something powerful working in his life. Peter strongly rebukes him. He says, you will perish unless you repent of this. Says your, number two, he says, your heart is not right. Look at that. He says, your heart is not right before God. And he even goes on and says, this is wickedness, and it's rooted in bitterness, and you are in bondage. He believed. He was baptized. He was in bondage, just like me. He believed. He was baptized. He was in bondage. You know, it's really easy for us to read this and be like, well, at least I'm not like Simon. I was in church my whole life. I believed, I was baptized, I was in bondage. It says you're in the gall, the bile of bitterness. Why? Because there's something you've allowed to keep growing in you. You, you. You've been jealous for influence again. You gave it up when you really saw real power, but you really were more amazed about the signs than the Savior, right? You're really more amazed about the signs than the Savior. You really want this for self-power instead of sending power. This is for God's glory, not your glory. You don't know what you're talking about. You've got a wrong view of self. You've got a wrong view of salvation. And you've got a wrong view of what the Holy Spirit is really all about. You know, some people can come to church and just want to speak in tongues so they can feel good about themselves. Oh, I got quiet. Some people want to come to church and just get saved so they can continue to get out of hell card. Get that get out of hell card. And it doesn't have anything to do with what really God's purpose is for salvation. Or coming to have a feel-good emotional experience. And maybe Simon was caught up in the hype of it. Maybe he really uh, just kind of went with the flow. Maybe he just did. I don't know. I don't know the intent of his real heart. Only God knows the motives of man's heart. Let me tell you something. Your motives matter. Your motives in salvation matter. And I don't care how he began. 
You could argue with me, and I think you could win either way. Was he saved really when he got baptized in water? I don't know. But what I do know is not how he began, but how he ended. I know how he ended. You know, Jesus says in Luke 6, every tree you'll know by its fruit. A good tree will bear good fruit, and a bad tree will bear bad fruit. He even says that the good seed will be cast on many types of soils. He says some will be going into thorny soils. Guess what? They'll grow a good seed, and they'll grow a good plant, and you'll think everything's great, but they allowed the cares and the affairs of this world to choke out the thing that God had planted. And you can argue with me, was that plant ever saved? I don't know, don't care, but I just know this, it died. It died. It died. How you care for your soul, how you care for your salvation matters. I don't know about you, but I have to put Roundup in my yard in Louisiana every single month. Every single month, I'm going into my garden pulling out weeds because I have to care for the thing that I've planted. And listen to me, church. You have got to care for what Jesus has planted in you. You have got to continue to walk in the Spirit every single day, crucifying that old self, putting on the new self, but is made in righteousness and holiness of truth. You've got to be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on Jesus every single day, or that thing will come back and choke it out of you. This salvation is not just about being simply saved at an altar one day, but walking every day in the sanctified life. Sanctified means I am relying every day on the Holy Spirit to make me holy. Sanctified means growing every day in the holiness that God has already purchased for you. You don't make yourself holy. You don't make yourself good. But every day you rely on his holiness that's already holy to come inside of you and help you walk out this life. Sanctification is this continual growth of the spirit-filled life. Only God knew his heart at the beginning, but it, all of us can see his heart at the end. How many can get saved in the church today but continue to live for self? How many can get caught up in a moment of guilt or emotion but it quickly fades away? You see, it's going to be evident in your life if you stop at simply saved. It will be evident one day on that judgment day because Jesus says in Matthew, he says, not everyone who calls to me Lord, Lord will make it in. Everyone who believes and is baptized will not all make it in. But those who continue to have my heart, those who continue to walk with me, who love like I do, and I can't do that without His help. I need a lifelong process of surrendering to the will of the Holy Spirit. I need to listen to His conviction. I need to receive His discernment. I need to respond to His renewal. I need to learn how to pray through the Spirit, to love through the Spirit, and to be led by the Spirit, to do what the Holy Spirit is telling me to do. So my question again is, where are you going in your faith? Some people say, well, I stop at salvation, but I really don't have to be baptized. Some people get baptized and say, well, I don't really need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Some people get the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues and say, well, I'm done now. I checked it off at kids or youth camp, and then I can continue to live my life how I want. This is not how this works. This process is a continual journey. I don't care what levels or stages you want to put on. There is no levels of Christianity. There's not one Christian better than another Christian. There's not one Christian more Holy Spirit-filled and anointed and more loved by God than any other person. It is simply saying, God, I want to walk every day into the thing that you've purchased for me. I want every ounce of the Holy Spirit that I can have in my life. And Lord, if you want me to speak in tongues, I'll speak in tongues. If you want me to prophesy, I'll prophesy. If you want me to lay hands on the 
sick, I'll lay hands on the sick. If you want me to cast out demons, I'll cast out demons. If you want me to sell my car and give it to a homeless person, that's what I want to do for you, God. If you call me to missions, God, I'll go. Lord, if you tell me to talk to that stranger, Lord, at Walmart, I'll talk to that person. I just want everything you've given to me. I just want all of it. And some of us, we can say, well, I am satisfied at this level. That's okay. But be careful, be careful that all this other junk doesn't come back out. That every day, I think Simon failed in one thing. I think he failed to continue every day after that moment to really work out his salvation with fear and trembling. Was he really saved? I don't know. But he didn't end saved. Because the Bible says, he said, would you pray for me? Which means he didn't pray for himself. And there's no record of him ever repent, repenting. He turned selfish. He really misunderstood self. He misunderstood salvation. He misunderstood the Holy Spirit. But here's what I want to say to us before I close. When I say, where is your salvation taking you to a deeper place with God? Don't let a demonic man want the Holy Spirit more than you. You say, well, he didn't really want it for the right reasons. Yeah, but at least he wanted it. There are so many dead churches across this country that have no desire for the Holy Spirit. There are empty cathedrals, empty mausoleums, empty churches all across this, this, all across this world, all across this nation. Do we desire to have a church, to be a person, to be a people who desire more of the Holy Spirit for the right reason? Because God paid the price for you to receive all of Him. All of Him. I don't want to stop at simply saved. I don't want to stop at simply baptized. I don't want to stop at simply baptized in the Holy Spirit. I want to receive more of God than my flesh is comfortable with. I want to receive all that He's purchased for me. And some of us, we can get locked into dominational things, locked into different opinions of doctrine and theology. We're not here to debate all that. Jesus is coming. We ain't got time for that. Let's just have all of Him. You can put a label on it whenever you want. When we get to heaven, we'll figure it all out. I just know I want all of Him. I want all of Him. Call it what you want. I want all of Him. All that He has. Would you stand with me this morning? God wants to give you more of His Spirit than your flesh is comfortable with. There is a breath that comes when you believe. There is a baptism of power so you can be sent. And there is a continued Spirit-filled life that helps you every day to walk out this salvation, sanctified, holy as He is holy. Helps you overcome sin in your life. He's there to help you receive power to tell people about Jesus. He's there to encourage you, to give you discernment, to always provide you a way of escape. This salvation is so that you can be the people of God He's called you to be. Don't limit God and what He wants to do in your life. Every head bowed and every eye closed. How is this journey going with you? How is this journey going with you and God? Where are you going in your faith? Where is your salvation taking you? Maybe you're at the beginning. Some of us are going to have to make a decision today for the first time to give ourselves fully over to Jesus, to repent and to believe. And we'll receive the breath of God. Some of us, maybe you've never been water baptized, and you need to make that commitment today to get baptized in water as Jesus commanded. Sign up with our church office after church today. Some of us 
need to surrender to that next step, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, so that you can be filled with power to tell people about Jesus in your everyday life. Some of us have received those things, but yet it's grown dead. We've grown dry, like that valley of dry bones in Ezekiel 37, where you need the breath of God to breathe life into you again, to make you the man or woman of God He's called you to be. You need to rely on the Spirit every day. God's want to work out that sanctification in you to continue to be used in the gifts, continue to be uh, having the fruit of the Holy Spirit, to continue to hear His voice every day. I'm not here to judge you on any place that you're at. I'm just here to exhort you, go closer.